What do you need to make the perfect horror comedy? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. And welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, screams, uh, crusts. Oh my God, you all are in a, for a very special episode because not only have Roxy and I seen, uh, I'm your host DJ with me is Roxy, uh, have we seen Scream 6 and we have our spoiler free thoughts on that. Um, but also, we are talking to um, the writer and director of the horror comedy Crust, which Roxy is starring in. Um, so that'll be a very fun little a journey through what makes a good uh, horror comedy and what we like to see in our horror comedies. Um, but of course, as always, a little bit of business up top. Yeah, uh, if you want to watch this episode early uh, without ads live, or you can be in our chat, uh, like people like Kayla Maria and Mike Joyce and John Libra, um, you can do that over at patreon.com slash only stupid answers. Also on Spotify, every week we ask you a question. Last week's question was, what did you think of the Mandalorian season three premiere, Austin says, I am a take me to the ride boy. If something piques my interest, I let it take me on its journey and join in the story it is trying to tell. I like this first episode. When it was done, I wanted more. Uh, Brandon Bond said, I am totally on board with DJ. Mandalorian uh, has felt like a fetch quest simulator that can't answer my question of but why do I care? However, it's nice—it's uh, a nice watch with friends, and it is beautiful. Uh, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Hellbent. As of this recording, Hellbent, the Hellbent campaign literally just ended. Um, uh, I want to thank everybody that, that uh, backed the campaign uh, for our third and final volume. I am super appreciative. We did really well. I can't wait for you all to see this story this uh, and complete this journey with us. And obviously, um, I will keep you guys updated on that. But just know I, I appreciate you all so much. I'm really thankful. Uh, stay tuned for backer kit emails uh, so we can get the information we need to send you the comic. So uh, we're going to talk uh, about Scream. But before we do that, let's uh, stop over and talk to your pal, Sean, about Crust. Good sir, would you mind introducing yourself for the kids at home? Let them know who you are and where they can find you. I wish I had a I wish I had a hat with a very tall plume and I would say thank you, good sir. Oh yes. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That would have made it better. But I am Sean Whalen. Uh, I am a character actor of many years. Um been in the uh, got my SAG card in eighty nine and have uh and only only people in the industry would know this that I've been able to maintain my insurance every year since nineteen eighty nine. So that means I'm working enough, just enough. Hey, listen, that's something. That's something. That's a huge deal. The uh, guy from Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, Kihue Kwan, came out this year and said that after Everything Everywhere, he lost his insurance because he couldn't book one more gig. So mm. and and he's nominated for an Oscar and couldn't maintain his insurance. So it's a huge deal. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. So, yeah, I'm lucky. Sean, we're very lucky to have you here today. And for those that don't know, aren't aware, part of the reason that the stars were able to align on this situation is you are making a movie with Miss Roxy Stryer. What, what is that movie? And if people wanted to help support 
movies, your movie in particular, where would they go and do that? All right. It's a loaded question, mm -hmm. but I'm going to unload that question. Please. Uh, no, it was, uh, it, it is an idea that I had years ago. The, the origin is, um, I was at a pitch meeting, I would say 12 years ago, and people were, they, I was getting frustrated because these producers were like, and just horror is so expensive. And, and, I, mm -hmm. and I've said, just shoot one in a laundromat and and like the leftover socks come to life and become a sock monster. Mm -hmm. And I just spouted out of my mouth and I never thought about it again until 2016 where I came out of a pretty heavy depression after my divorce. I'd worked my way through it. Um, <clears throat> it was, you know, the guilt of the the dad apartment versus the house and I had my holidays had to be in there and just a bunch of different issues. But when I came out the other end in early 2016, I had just very... Um, vibrant emotions, anger and frustration, but not at anybody, just mm -hmm. kind of like at life or I don't know what it was. And then people to, in addition to that, people kept saying, Oh, you should have had a pet. And I go, you know, I, I couldn't have taken care of myself, let alone a pet. Like yeah. I just don't know how that would have worked. And I go, I would have loved to have a pet if I, uh, it avenged all my enemies and took mm -hmm. care of my problems. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Then I got booked on a movie called Ugly Sweater Party. And this great young director, Aaron Mento, Charles Chudabala, who is going to be uh, Roxy's boyfriend mm -hmm. um, in the movie, and uh, um, their friend, they were shooting a thing at their house. And he goes, but you're throughout the movie. And I go, I don't know if I can do this. But you throughout, you know. And he goes, no, no, we're going to get you out in one day. Mm -hmm. I had my main opening credit and you know the main scene that introduces my character then they put me outside in front of a green scene using sunlight and shot for maybe an hour and they've used all i'm a ghost that haunts the entire movie and i go oh these guys are actually making things happen mm -hmm. like this is dumb not to try to do this so when i sat down to write it i got my friend jim wald from who's not a professional writer but he's got a great sense of humor and he always makes me laugh and he just is a he's such a stickler for details um, and I'm making a movie about a sock monster in a laundromat. So I wanted to have everything else be as organically real and, and like the acting metaphor, the Meisner definition of acting, truthful under an imaginary circumstance, like mm -hmm. how it will actually react. And it flew out of me in like six weeks. Um, and I got together with uh, Aaron and he was going to possibly direct. And we did an early iteration. Felissa Rose was involved early back then. Um, Charles was uh, still producing and things. And then um, I, uh, it, we didn't know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Like the logo only got like, you know, 3K and we, we just didn't know what we were doing. So um, went through so many iterations of producers, but the main thing the producers kept saying was, this needs to change because it needs to go on the shelves of Walmart or sell it. And, not, and I go, I'm not making it for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I am making it for, the guy that wakes up in the morning with this voice mm -hmm. and I'm admitting I went and had a, several cocktails with my daughter and her boyfriend last night. Um, and I'm very impressed by that. It's a very rare mind. occurrence. I feel like, I feel like if I like saved an old woman from a train or partied super hard with my now Boston living daughter and Boston living uh, boyfriend, Roxy would go, look, she was old. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like she, yeah. she was, <laughs> Why would you even risk it? Now your voice yeah, is like yeah, this. That was yeah. so lame, Sean. Her anyway, why not have the cocktails? Yeah. So, uh, um, but the the idea then, I just kept on thinking, I want it for people like that who yeah. went out, they come home, they sit down and they turn on their TV 
and they've had their beverages or they've had their adult gummies in states where it's legal mm-hmm. and, and enjoy, <laughs> enjoy themselves and they turn it on and they love it. And then they call their friends the next week. So, dude, you got to see this. And then the, and, and you build this kind of cult community. And that's what my uh, producer, Phyllis Rose, was in Sleepaway Camp which was my favorite cult movie. I've literally seen it 35 times. Me and my best friend, the exact experience, saw it in a theater in 90, I forget what it was, like 95. Then we watched it, um, probably showed it to family and friends. I would easily say 30 to 35 times, easily. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just thinking, I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Um, and I came from People Under the Stairs, which is not a Wes Craven top tier, you know, Scream, speaking of mm-hmm. Scream and, and uh, Freddy. You know, yeah. um, it, it was kind of a cult movie. And my wife loves little Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. which so I mean, I just think it builds this big community. That's who I'm making it for. So I just wanted to do that. And then uh, finally, the stars realigned where Felissa had a new producing partner. Uh, he's he's from back east, so he doesn't know how to be a sleazy producer. He's like, wait, shouldn't we do this by the books and make sure that uh, everything's lined up in terms of insurance and, and everybody gets paid? well and, and we take care of everybody and i go yeah and he goes why is that a problem i go you don't live in hollywood yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> it's not the way things work out here sometimes yeah. you know you can get people who try to weasel and you know what i mean so yeah. he doesn't even know how to yeah and we aligned and during the pandemic i had built a huge following on tiktok i got two hundred thousand followers i had done a podcast with roxy before that people got to know me more um and now you have 400,000 followers, 400,000 yeah. followers. Yes. Yeah. Now, now I, so now people know who I am. I went to a convention recently and I used to walk around 10% of people go, Hey, Sean, hi, Sean. This was like 80%. People were like, Sean, 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 Sean. And then Wild. they were like, Oh, we love the idea of crust. We love the idea. So, um, that's the that's the iteration. So it's the story about a guy who gets all the leftover socks in a laundromat. He's a depressed child actor. He wipes all his bodily fluids on them, and one day he's abused by Roxy <laughs> and her. Well, really, her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But she supports the bad guys. Yeah. She's one of the. I don't even say you're a bad guy. You're just like an innocent victim. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't even. Know. You know, you're in, in the funny thing is she's very wasted in the movie. She wouldn't even know how to be bad. And that's what makes her boyfriend frustrated. Is like Speaking his, of taking gummies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His gang, his gang literally doesn't know how to be badass. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So that makes him so angry. Um, but they kind of bully me and I cry really hard on the pile of socks and they turn into a sock creature named Crust who starts to avenge all my enemies. And uh, people who've read it said it reminds them of Little Shop of Horrors meets cool. uh, Willard. You know, yeah. Willard is old school, but Willard had rats that attacked for his behalf. But instead of being upset by it, like Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, it makes him feel a little better. You're it into it. Suppression. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're into it. And so uh, it all takes place. <laughs> laundromat we have alan rock first time we've ever acted together since twister 1996 just joined we got danny roebuck fresh off you know the monsters and so many movies i mean danny roebuck's yeah. just so prolific and uh felissa big horror icon and um rebecca kennedy who's off of the she's known very much for her dramatic work in like svu and the two witches where they're making a sequel and so i've got a i i just want good actors you yeah. know because yeah, i yeah. think the, the idea is eh, 
you know, um, an independent movie is always going to have not great acting. Mm -hmm. And I, and I refuse to have that in my movie. So I fought really hard to have capable actors, you know? Yeah. And crust is on Indiegogo as we speak right now. So, so, so help me like help us deliver the kind of movie for you with my artistically fresh vision, unhampered by business and, and things like that. We want to give you the movie that I believe I want. It's literally my gift back to people who have appreciated my horror mm-hmm. and my comedy. Yeah. I want to give that back to the audience that has supported me for so long. Well, listen, there are going to be links in the description. Uh, yeah. So go check it out or just go. This is how I found it. You just go to Indiegogo, type in crust. It'll pop right I mean, up. Crust. It'll be right there. <laughs> But I want to want to shout out one perk. We got one week, guys. It ends next Thursday, but one week. If I get one thousand special thanks, and a special thanks is twenty five bucks in the credit, your name's going to be on the movie forever. I voted on by all my fans. I had either a man wax body painting or do a drag show. Overwhelmingly, people said a drag show. So oh, yeah. uh, that you know, get if we get those thousands, that drag show is happening. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Um, yes. And speaking of, you, you, you mentioned people that appreciate your horror, people that appreciate your comedy. Obviously, in this episode, we're also talking about Scream Six. Roxy and I had an opportunity yes. to see that. Um, for you, I'm a big. I love horror comedies. Uh, yes. I love the genre. So you're this making movie like, is so for you, DJ. At, I know. Literally, I thought about this so many times. Of all of my friends, I think DJ is going to be the one who loves Crust the most. I'm, yeah. I'm super so excited happy. for it. I'm super excited for it. And it is interesting. You mentioned, I'm uh, not to sidetrack myself, but people are like, yeah, it's got to be on the shelves in Walmart. And I was trying to think of the timeline. I was like, I feel like Shutter was still around in 2016. Like, it feel, this feels like a movie you'd see. Like Shutter would be like, yes, please and thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. We don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah. But I will tell you that we have five or six investors that have reached out to my producers for like 60, 70 grand who want to invest in Crust 2 already. Hot dang. Hot dang. Yeah. So, and I've got fan art and all this other stuff. So it's nuts. Like people are excited. So. So for you, making a horror comedy, in your opinion, what is the, like the secret sauce? What does is, what is every good horror comedy need? Like what's the combination of scares I mean, and laughs? What's the secret? I, I mean, look, the, the uh, well, obviously in the Scream franchise, the self-iron, you know, the kind of breaking down the fourth wall and self-commentary, the meta idea of the, them talking about that. But, you know, one of my favorite... Um, Horror comedy is probably not even a horror comedy. Young Frankenstein is my like go-to mm-hmm. amazing comedy. Um, that didn't have. I mean, people might say uh, that was a comedy, not mm-hmm. really a horror comedy. But you know, if you think of Freddy to me, yeah. I think the main ingredient of a good horror comedy is not. Oh, it's so hilarious! Or I had such huge jump scares. It's the fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun. Like I think fun is the main thing. It doesn't have to be super scary, super funny. Um, but like Freddie is the perfect example, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just what are innovative ways that make us go, Oh, oh my God. You know, like, and, and, uh, you know, like his tongue coming out of the phone going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just stuff like that is, I think that's what makes a good horror comedy that you keep the audience having fun the whole time with horror elements, like a jump scare or something yeah. like that. 
that or really fun bad guys. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I uh, think that's a that's a really great way to describe it because as I was thinking about it, you know, I knew you were coming on. I was thinking about Crust. I was thinking about Scream. I was thinking of all those things. And I was thinking about like, yeah, what are the um, – because I think there's a couple ways – People tend to go, you know, the, um, but I think that the thought of fun, cause like for me, one of the quintessential horror comedies is something like evil dead. Right. And that, 100%. and you're right. It's a fun, it's a ride. And then, and then there's elements where the scare is funny, but it also like goes through the looking glass. And even the funny part is kind of messed up. Like you're talking about yes. like the tongue through the phone. It's like the, I think the fun aspect, I think that's a great way to describe it. People don't really know that like people under the stairs has like three stooges type goofy comedy within it. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys hold on to an, a door that's electrified. They hold on to another ki the kid. And then Brandon Adams is, uh, grabs the dog. So they're all going, <laughs> you know, and the dog goes, Rrr! you know, and it knocks the dog out. But that's literally three stooges yes. like that's goofy as heck. So yeah. while you're writing, Crest Sean, are you sitting there thinking to yourself, every scene, every line, like, is this fun? Is that the thought process you're yeah, having? Hundred percent. My 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 um, writing partner Jim and I have always said, if we aren't laughing, and this is when I write with Doug, anybody, you know, with, with the play at anything, um, if I'm not laughing, it it doesn't stay. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we have to make ourselves laugh, and not everything a hundred percent is um, is going to be everybody's sense of humor but yeah. as long as we're laughing and we're having fun that's essential to me like and we do 100 percent roxy go what can we what can we do to make this scene funner you know what i mean <laughs> and we had to pull back we had like you know really goofy stuff with the sock monster like um when he's doing laundry and and uh taking taking out somebody like sitting there and he's like reading the paper and like you know having a little a cigar and they're and then we're like, yeah, it's a little too cute. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. We're always calibrating what's fun, what's funny, and then what's just, it's not, it's out. It's so goofy. It's almost like a cartoon that doesn't fit the genre. So yeah, yeah I, it's always that calibration, you know? Earlier, you and I were talking that I just funded my comic, and yes. it's for mature readers. And it's it's not a comedy; it's like a it's like a, a dark fantasy thriller kind of a thing. But it, it's for mature readers, and so there was a lot of and it's a comic, so you can do whatever you want. Right. And occasionally, um, we I you know we uh, me and my co-writer we'd write something, we'd send it to the artist, and then the art would come back, and I'd be like, "Ooh, why didn't this is a lot? Is this too much? Did I go? Did we go too far? Why didn't somebody stop me? Um, yeah. Do you when you're when you're working on crust? Have you had moments of like, no, this is I this is obviously I'm assuming rated R. This is about a sock monster with the bodily fluids. But did you yeah. ever have a moment of like, mm, is this too much? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent of the time we would say, <laughs> is, is this too gross or is this too you know like I was just saying too wackadoo mm -hmm. like too goofy and you're always trying to find a tone that fits and i think and you know roxy you've read it a couple of times she just read the latest iteration it definitely has its own feel and so your job in the rewrites i mean this is why people you know oh i don't know how to write no no, no. you have to just start writing mm -hmm. and then and the way i always say it is is you take the clay and all you're doing the first draft is taking the clay out of the box and throwing it on the table. Yeah. That's the first step. 
Then you start shaping it. Then you do the little details, you know, and, and come up and add stuff. And, you know, uh, I think Roxy can attest, like there's a certain vibe of crust that now that it's going to be, it's a creature feature horror comedy. So it's going to be shot in black and white that it just, it's got its own feel to it and it's got its own world to it. Would you say that Roxy? Yeah. I mean, also it's disgusting and incredible. That's what I keep telling everybody that asks me about it. I'm like, this is the most disgusting, incredible script I've ever now, read. What is disgusting about it? See, <laughs> I've never heard that before. You haven't heard it? No. Sean. No. Oh I'm my God. I'm like, not kidding. First of all, even you know how a Just lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people hate the word moist, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just crust mm -hmm. in general. Well, okay. The, so a person. Crust. That, and uh, knowing how we get to crust. <laughs> well, with, oh, yeah, with sweaty, bloody, you know. Yeah, when I hear crust and socks, thing. I think of a very specific uh, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think of a very specific well, that, thing. And, and that's, that's, that's an element. And, and listen, that used to be leaned more in. And that's one of the things we pulled back and added all of it. Because as Roxy knows, it's the tears of his personal pain <laughs> is the most important fluid of all. That's yeah. the one yeah. that yeah. in life. Um, but, but it's not the only fluid, but, but it is the most important fluid. fluid. <laughs> but but it's also it's it's a minor part of it, meaning that he when you're depressed, you are looking for instant pleasure. Mm -hmm. And he's dreaming about a life that he doesn't have. You know what I mean? And that's kind of and then when someone said, Hey, you should name it name it Krusty, one of my good horror comedy friends that directs horror comedies. And he said, Krusty is cuter and da da da. And I said, No, but it's not. That why and I said because I always love movies with double meanings like yeah. cast away. You know yeah. he didn't wasn't called Castaway. Mm -hmm. It was called Cast Away. Yeah, and see, that's a great name for that movie because yeah. it's both right. Um, and crust is the hard crust that we all have on ourselves, and how easy or difficult it is to get to the soft part. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And also, Sean, by the word disgusting, I also- I mean in the funnest way possible. No, in the most fun way, but also, um, I'm also talking about some of the characters and uh, right. how they treat certain people yeah. and, uh, you know, being in this industry, feeling yeah. disgusted by people. Yes, and, yes. And truly so. I think- So I see what you mean. Like it's an overall- Multiple layers. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, because we have people who are super phonies, people who are really awful. And look, as I as I keep reading it, you don't know what you wrote sometimes. And when I kept reading it, this is about a sad little place where people have a choice to do hard work to pull themselves out of a bad situation or take the easy route by doing awful things to either other people themselves, you know, and the whole and the only heart of this thing are just a couple characters, which is the woman I'm dating and crust itself because yeah. it's pure it's pure innocence mm -hmm. Sean, are you talking at all about the when and where of all of this to people and how you came to that conclusion no i mean i started to it it was an accident and a table read and um i was the the and and our um table readers for our new entertainment newscast who is kind of the voice of the outside world and what's going on in the outside world and and tinseltown um they were both australian and they said oh should we americanize and i go no play with it and the, it was so funny it was so amazing that i said oh i love that and then these other two characters are coming on and i said i want you guys to find a weird accent 
and then someone's got a um, Southern accent, a part of it. And I go, you know, I don't really want to know what it is. And I said, it is kind of a fable. And it was Danny Roebuck who said, you know, you could start with Once Upon a Time, you know. And I thought, no, that's not where it is. And so then I thought the movie opens with the phrase, at some place during some time. Mm -hmm. And it opens up. And so we don't. And and the the beauty of that is that you go, wow, that's why George Lucas was such a genius. Because, you know. A galaxy far, far away, and a you know long time ago, you've absolved yourself of anything logical. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. You can do literally whatever you want. So I don't have any real city names. You don't really know where we are. Um, Tinseltown is not Hollywood, mm -hmm. but it's Hollywood like. You know what I mean? And we can use real people people's names and then fake people's names, and we can do whatever we want because we don't know when and where we actually are. Um, and and that made it, that to me made it seem like, you know, that people told me to see Banshees of Inisherin like an Irish folktale. I wish I would have, because it threw me and I didn't really digest it correctly. Um, but by saying it's like an Irish folktale, then I went, oh, now I get it, mm -hmm. you know? And for this, it's like a weird, you know, it's almost like a graphic novel that you pull off the shelf at the back of the, yeah. you know, comic book store. So, is that what you meant, Roxy? Like the, the yeah, totally. It's not specific. That it's not specific. I don't want it to be specific. Well, speaking of specific, Mike Joyce in the chat said, "Uh oh, definitely seems like Crust is going to eat Roxy's character." So let's spoil the movie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't sound like things might go great for you, Roxy. Listen, that's all I'm listen, saying. <laughs> I will. I will tell you, and, and I. This is an exclusive. Roxy's character is alive by the end of the script. Oh, by the end of the, yeah, by the end of the script. By the end of part one. Oh, I'm snap. fighting to be in the sequel, DJ. <laughs> no, 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 but we had, we had a whole, we have, a, we, we've literally written the last five pages of the third movie. Oh, wow. Like, we have the, we literally know how the whole thing's gonna end. Yeah. And now that, and you know, you write it for fun, for yourself or yeah. whatever. But now that people are ready to invest in it already, mm -hmm. like it's kind of, I, I, I don't think because my friend who was a producer and seen these kind of things, he goes, the way the Indiegogo is, the way the buzz is, it would be, I've never seen something with this kind of buzz that doesn't have a sequel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, this is the thing talking about horror comedies again, like I haven't seen, but everybody said you should see for fun sake, like the Chucky movies, right? right? He does do horrible things, but it's super fun because he's a doll. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do think, though, Sean, that this movie does really stand alone, too. Like, the purpose of this movie was not to get to a sequel. Um, no, Sometimes not you can, like, tell somebody when they are planning sequels, and then you see the first movie, and you're like, this isn't yeah. a full story. Mm -hmm. No. Um, this has, like, a very clear arc. Yeah, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. But, but that's what's nice is, you know, I thought, you know, I thought way back, oh, I, I didn't go into it going, oh, this is going to be a trilogy. But at the end of the one, I thought, oh, well, let's play around Roxy knows. The, I mean, the last 15 minutes of the film are going to be fun for people, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I had no one, no one who kind of figured out which way it was going to go. Everybody has said, you know, I, I read scripts in chunks. I did it. And everybody calls me and goes, I could not stop reading it. Yeah. Like yeah. I sat down and I had to figure out what was going to come next. That's you know? so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so um, I for 
people that might not be as familiar with your resume, um, you've got uh, over 135 credits on IMDb. So, and as you mentioned, you've kept your SAG card si- since yes. the beginning. Uh, yes. So you're you've been a busy boy. Um, yes. And I know you, some you like like specifically like I think about like you know uh, like Gwyneth Paltrow when people are like, oh, you were in this Marvel movie. She's like, wait, I was. I have to imagine yeah, it. And yeah. I mentioned to you we were talking before. Roxy and I have been doing this for many. And people will be like, oh, remember when you talked about so and so? I was like, nope, I sure don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure there's the projects you've been on. Some have been more memorable than others. What for you um, uh, being on set, what makes something a memorable project? Is it is it the quality of the project yourself? Like you went and you saw it after you're like, oh, that was good. Or is it just the on set experience? Is, does it depend? I mean, so for me, I've been on three or four soap operas. Okay. Um, Bold and the Beautiful. Or, yeah, Bold and the Beautiful. I had like big, long parts. These other ones, I came in for like half a day or whatever, and I have like little flashes of what those were like, mm-hmm. but I don't remember them because they were, you know, and and soap operas move, yeah. you know, um, and so I remember very little of those, you know, uh, those kind of things, and when I was super younger and things like that. But usually, if just something happens that's either positive or negative, I remember. Being on a TV series, Special Unit Two, and it was about basically it was Men in Black for monsters. Mm. But I was the exposition explaining guy, which is the hardest thing to act because you're not working off anybody, you don't have a relationship with anybody, you're not in a dialogue with anybody, and you have no real world references to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you could say, "Oh, I'm talking about you know oil prices in the Middle East." Well, I can look that stuff up and learn about it. This is all fake stuff. Yeah. And you have to present it like it's real. And then the other thing I had to do was like click a board behind me yeah. at timing of slides and stuff. And it was all it was really, really hard. So that's another thing that makes something memorable is like, wow, it was super challenging. Yeah. You know? Um, but I think as I got older, I think I remember more, you know, yeah. because when you've been in it this long, you know, in the nineties, my co- I would leave my house with uh four different costumes and I would go to a commercial audition, then I'd go to a regular audition, then it, you know, and you would just be going all day, every day to so many things. And that was the nineties. It was a different hundred percent different time yeah. um, than it is now. So, uh, and especially as you get older, your pyramid starts to shrink a little bit. So you have to create your own stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and, Sean, and- you said that the, one of the things is, the amount of time you're on set. What is the longest set experience you've had? Uh, it would have would, been would, Twister. Mm. Yeah. Which was months, there. correct? Like four months. Yeah. yeah. Was that, that just leave. because it was a, like an effects movie? So there was a lot of like... No, it, because like, if you think about that movie, we all come to the set, mm-hmm. we all line up on this dirt road, we all drive down the dirt road and Jan picks up, Jan DeBont picked mm-hmm. up different pieces from different t- trucks. We go for three miles, then we stop, mm-hmm. and then we're on a dirt road. So we go, it's mm-hmm. to try to turn the trucks around. Yeah. Then we go all the way back, and then we get back, and we go, it's <laughs> to turn it right back to you know one, and then you do it all again. So it's if you think of how many shots there are in that movie of just quick people driving and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and the trucks driving by and all that stuff. I mean, it takes a long, long time. Yeah. And we were chasing bad weather. We didn't want to shoot in good weather. Mm-hmm. They wanted, we had a weatherman on set that would sit there and he would by like five o'clock go, this is where we're going to be tomorrow. Because their best hope was if it was a dark and stormy area, 
they'd save money on I ILM digital yeah. scans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so wow. we'd never know what we were filming the next day. And it could be a half an hour out or it could be two hours out. Yeah. And we just picked up in the morning and sleep in the van and we'd never know where we were going to end up. You know what I thought was going to be your most memorable set experience, John? Which one? With the, the, the... Oh, the sea monkeys. <laughs> the sea monkeys. The amazing live sea monkeys. Kyoto Brothers, killer clowns from outer space. Love those guys. But man, they didn't know how tough being in prosthetics was. <laughs> yeah, I was in prosthetics. Like people... I'm actually working with a woman who is an actress on the set. Um, I, I do a thing called giving back where I, I talk to classes for free. Yeah. Uh, acting classes and things like that. And she set me up and she's doing an improv class. I'm helping her out. And she said, I never knew what you looked like because my call would be 5 a.m. And by the time she got to set at eight, mm -hmm. we were already covered in our prosthetics. They never knew what we looked like. And so at the wrap party, they had no idea who were they were, you know, who they were meeting. Yeah. It was so nuts. Wow. But it was it was a nightmare. And uh uh Roxy, the last um podcast I did, we were talking about acting class and I just dropped it really quick. And Roxy goes, Nope, that's <laughs> not gonna slide by. Yeah. We are digging into this. How can you say, you know, amazing live cartoon sea monkeys covered in prosthetics with Howie Mandel as a wacky scientist. She said, no, 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 no. That, yeah. That, that Those images crazy. are incredible yeah. too. Yeah, I'm going to look them up. Um, yeah. So but yeah. while I look that up, um, you mentioned how things have changed. <laughs> Leonard Kim in our discord asks, having been in the industry for so long, what's a change within the industry that you like um, or don't like? I would say I have both because yeah. what I loved was when we were, the, I mean, look, there was only three networks. There was only, and, and a little bit of cable in the 90s. Um, and that wasn't as big of a thing yet. Um, and so when we worked, like the way it worked was you would go train somewhere, you'd get good, you'd get noticed. Then you would do commercials for like a year to get your SAG card, which was easy. As soon as you booked a commercial, they gave you your SAG card. Yeah. And then you'd slowly slide into TV guest star parts and things like that. And if you had two guest stars, one commercial, or maybe two guest stars, two commercials, you were good for the year, like financially. Yeah. And you going out for hundreds, but you book four, and that's enough. Um, you could make good money. Then SAG started to restructure, and now there's, you know, you know, minuscule low budget pay for actors, which is less than minimum wage, mm -hmm. less than federal minimum wage or even California minimum wage. You can get paid a hundred dollars for a 14 hour day. Mm -hmm. Like that's less than minimum wage. But the only difference that when we wanted, we, I had so many ideas at Groundlings that I would have loved to film, but to even shoot a film, it was 40 K just to buy the film. Yeah. To purchase film. And now everybody has an opportunity to express themselves and make their own content. And the one thing I would say to any actor getting into it, do not the world of I'm trained, I'm ready, I got my agent, now I'm just gonna wait for those phone calls is over. Yeah. It's over and I just saw J Jason Alexander say the exact same thing on an interview. That's over, it's never coming back. You need to, you know, my manager Gary who, who uh, uh, Roxy knows is like he's he's a, he's a caricature of a Hollywood manager. He's mm -hmm. so Hollywood manager, but in the best way, not mm -hmm. not in the awful way. But he, when I told him I was doing this movie, he goes, "So you're producing it, wrote it, and starring it." And I go, "Great." And he goes, "Eh, what does that mean?" He goes, "Dude, you have to direct her. No one cares." And I go, "That doesn't mean." And he goes, "Yes, it does." And 
that would that's what made me do that but he said if you build it they will come and he was right like i'm getting so many more opportunities coming at me because i'm doing this and that's the way you have to look at it plus it's just a good energy i'm putting out in the world that i'm 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 creative i'm in this game i'm fighting i'm not sitting in the stands i'm creating something and there's so many avenues you can build a real you know, fun sketch thing on YouTube or TikTok or anywhere. There's so many ways in now. Um, and there's, yes, there's more competition, but look, uh, people who, you know, I know that there's like these, like the D'Amelio's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Do I really think they're going to be substantial for a long time? No, I think they're going to go, Ooh, and then, you know, in a few years they're going to, fine you know and then if they're smart they'll get into businesses and you know invest right. and things like that but bo burnham's gonna be around forever mm -hmm. and he was the same thing he was on youtube doing things you know because he's truly talented and if you feel like you have truly true talent and if you feel you have something to say you can do that yeah. and we never could do that back in the 90s we never could do that so you can create your own you can't, you don't have to wait for Hollywood to say, oh, you're this, mm -hmm. we're going to put you in this box. We're going to put you in this box. You can, you can educate them. And so not, like Rebecca Kennedy and I never, ever have gotten a romantic lead. Not once, not once while we're romantically involved in this movie. Mm -hmm. So we're educating Hollywood going, no, people who are, you know, offbeat looking like us can be, uh, can be a, uh, a, uh, lovers too mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. we're, you have to educate people yeah and it that's a beautiful thing but do i wish if you booked a commercial and a guest star here and there that it was enough to pay your bills like it was for us mm -hmm. those are my two things yeah i think that's a good that's uh true of your situation it's also just a good general note for people all across the world it'd be nice to be able to pay your do work and have it be enough to pay your bills yeah, that'd yeah. be nice that'd be, yeah. that'd be cool yeah. um uh, I, you said something that made me think of something that I'm going to ask right now. Uh, you were talking about uh, being exposition guy. And that made me think of the fact that I'm very lucky right now to have two actors on the show with me. I do not act. I write and I direct. So this is a great opportunity for me to ask, what is a good thing? To be able to provide your, and this is to both you and Roxy, to provide your actors. Because I know for me, typically, when I'm writing, by the time the script is done, I usually have character sheets of like one, two, three, four pages of like, where's this person been? What do they like? What are they into? Uh, just for my own reference. So when they're talking, I'm like, I know what they're pulling from. Uh, and I like to give those to actors. I feel like that's, hey, here's in my brain where your character yeah. come from. Is stuff like that helpful? What do actors like to get from the directors or whoever to help I, with their craft? I think, and, and for me personally, I would say <clears throat> that I think that's great. I wouldn't get as detailed no. because you want to have them bring what, you know, no. I, I would give that to them and say, what do you love about this? What do you not love about this? Mm -hmm. And if you, there's things you don't love, let's discuss. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Oh, oh, this thing about his stepfather doesn't, it doesn't feel as organic as that thing that happened in elementary school. Is it cool if I kind of lean into that aspect of it, yeah. and, you know, and then you, I always say, yes, bring your ideas, you know, mm -hmm. because they need to personalize it. And that yeah. the personalization comes from who you cast. Yeah. You know? Because not yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. Trained actors know to do their own work. So, yeah. um, you know, you're 
DJ, I think hearing from you, you're providing a lot of that work for them, which yeah. is cool, but also almost not robs them of doing it themselves. But then you don't get that blend of what they've come to the table with. Like yeah. when we were initially doing the table read for crust, you know, Sean gave me some directions, like try this, try this. And then as we're ramping up for the movie, I'm like, Sean, are we still going that direction? He's like, I really want to see what you bring. Do mm -hmm. what it is that you like. You're spending the most time with this character. Now you're the one getting to know this character. What do you got? And I think that that freedom probably merged with then Sean's directorial debut and giving me like what tweaks or notes or whatever it is kind of um, will be the best of both worlds. So I think as as somebody who's also a writer, DJ, I do all the work that you're doing too, yeah. um, because it's important when you're writing different characters to know what their motivation is, where they are coming from. And that's great for your writer brain. But then when it comes to actual casting and directing of it all, I think letting them do some of that work is also really beneficial. Yeah. I, I, I and, 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 you know, it's maybe to take it a step further. I wouldn't give them those things. I would just say, Hey, there's a few things. This is in general, let's say they had a troubled childhood and you have a detail of the troubled childhood, mm -hmm. say they've had a troubled childhood. A lot of things happened in their past. You know, I'd love to see what you come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they bring that to you and instantly, and this is what I learned because this is what I learned from when I worked with Clint Eastwood, his costume department was like putting me in all these costumes and not one photo was taken. And the people who don't know this, the costume department takes pictures of each um, costume and then lets the director approve it and give a thumbs up right yeah. um and she was just taking she was not taking pictures and i yeah. go is there a problem and she goes no i worked for them for 30 years mm -hmm. he gives me the color palette jersey boys was like brown light green and whatever and she goes and he trusts me implicitly so for me my sound department my actors every my every crew member i go bring me your ideas. Yeah. I want you to, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to think that I can do this myself. So it, it, it gives them more to invest in. Um, if they come up with their backstory, you know, you you use your backstory to get them on paper. Yeah. They need to use their backstory to get them to live it. Mm -hmm, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So that, I, I mean, before we go, any final yeah. uh, things you want to let their audience know about crust? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, we got one week left. I'd love to do that drag show. Just get a special thanks. You can be a part of movie history and people go movie history. And I go, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It's Alan Ruck and I have not acted together since we were in Twister in 1996. Yeah. Not been in the same frame. And this is the first time we've been there. So that is movie history. Um, and with Danny, I mean, people are freaking out that like there's going to be a day where it's Danny Robeck, me and Alan all sitting there. And Danny said, we got to take a picture as the character actor sandwich with you in the middle. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of fun in that way. And um, just just to help support something, I, I'm trying to give you a gift that I, I really think you'll have fun with. And um, and let's let's not go super crazy when you know he comes back into disney and the first thing is toy story 5 frozen three and people are and i it's all over the internet people going oh my god really like really that's the big comeback announcement that we're just gonna do sequels to the your sequels mm -hmm. you know so i'm trying to give you guys something that's just fun and original and you know i talk about a sequel but i'm not it's i'm not married to that mm -hmm. I, i'm trying to give you something fun you yeah. know 
And I think people are, I, I really believe that that's why Cocaine Bear is doing well mm -hmm. because our, our people are excited about it because that is the gummy slash drinking slash good friend movie that you go to and you just have a blast and we've never seen it. And people with the world the way it is today and what we've just gone through, they just want to have a good time. Yeah. And I really believe this is a good time. So check it out. It's on Indiegogo. Cross, there's links in the description. Uh, do yourself a favor. Check it out. Also, um, you know, look, I looked up this uh, sea monkey, uh, the amazing live sea monkeys. <laughs> do yourself a favor. Look that up. It's a trip. Yeah. Uh, it's a trip. So so do that. Um, Sean, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. And I'm sorry about my party voice, but, you know. Love I love it. your party voice. It's it's twin <laughs> to my forever voice. Yes. 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 Now I do feel like I'm, a, you know, I'm Roxy Light. Everybody's going to tell you. I don't know if it plays the same way, but wow, the rasp, it's a sexy voice. And it's like, uh, or is it like really uncomfortable to listen? Yeah. To? Yeah. 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 Uh, <sighs> No, but thank you for having me and thank you uh, for taking the time to hear me out. You know, no. I'm not curing cancer or anything like that. I'm not, you know, saving the world in any way. I'm just trying to provide you with a couple hours where you can just let your mind go and just have a good time. Huge thanks to Sean for joining us. Uh, what a great discussion. Real quick, let's do some ads and then we'll be back to talk about Scream. All right. Uh, so thankful to have uh, Sean with us. That was an incredible discussion. Um, but now let's uh, head on over. Speaking of horror comedies, you and I had an opportunity to see Scream 6, uh, directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gil Gillette. Uh, written oh, by I didn't even ever look at who directed them. Did they direct Scream 5 or not? I believe they did. Good question. Okay. I'm 90% sure they did, uh, but I'm going to bring that up right now um and it was written by uh, ba, ba, ba. uh it was written by james vanderbilt and guy Busick uh, in the next installment the survivors of the Ghostface killings leave woodsboro behind and start fresh uh start a fresh chapter in new york city um uh, right now as of this recording on rotten tomatoes it has a 78 percent um critic score which i'm gonna be honest uh, i think is a little low uh especially since creed 3 was like 95 or something. And Creed 3 is good, but I think this also good. Um, so I like as, both those movies a lot. Yeah, I mean, obviously very different, but like quality-wise, I think comparable, but that's me. Uh, so uh, I, according to Rotten Tomatoes, certain aspects of horror's most murderously meta franchise may be going stale, but a change of setting and some inventive set pieces help Scream 6, uh, help keep Scream 6 reasonably sharp. So, Roxy, spoiler-free. Let's keep it spoiler-free for the kids at home. Um, yep. Thoughts on Scream 6? I really, really rock with this movie. Yeah, me too. I thought it was so uh, just, like, refreshingly knew what it was trying to do and did it. And it just, I, I feel like for fans, by fans, good jump scares and good moments. I think that Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega are such great uh, one-two duo for the this franchise. I really think that both of them are very talented, but also the entire supporting cast. I 
am the biggest Courtney Cox girl. So love seeing her in this and also love you, you got to love a flawed character mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that you still root for. Uh, I liked the reveals. Yeah. I liked the new and dare I say improved Ghostface just in terms of like at one point Ghostface does this like leap thing mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh my God, Ghostface is like evolving and is very like uh, out of this worldly, mm-hmm. but it's working. It's not like, you know, it's not like Ghostface can all of a sudden fly off of buildings, yeah, but yeah. the Ghostface was scary as shit in this. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a lover of love, a shipper of ships. So there was some mm-hmm. love moments that really moved me and dynamics. I've been telling you about this actor, Josh Segarra, for a minute. I, if you remember, um, you know him from Arrow. Arrow season five. He was also one of the lawyers in She-Hulk. Right. But I loved him on this show that I talked to you about, DJ, the other two, okay. which was that HBO show. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, this guy, because I had seen him in Arrow at that point, and he was so dramatic. And then in, in um, the other two... He is like the most comedic, hysterical. And I was like, this is the it guy to watch for. He's yeah. going to be a star. So seeing him in this movie where it's not really focused on him, but I think he fully does his job. Yeah. I'm and like, without okay. spoiling anything, he is utilized well. I like the way yeah. they utilize him. Totally. The end. Totally. <laughs> so I was excited about that. And yeah, I I love this time period in people's lives, that college years, a little post-college, yeah. like just not, I just really, I really, really liked the movie. I have a couple qualms with it. Um, I thought that the soundtrack was really bumpy. Okay. Like there was a couple of different places where song would come on and I'd be like, this is distracting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is weird. I don't usually feel that way during horror movies. Horror movies tend to do excellently with their soundtracks. Yeah. So that was a little strange. And then um, by the end, you know, there are some moments where you have to really suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Uh, We don't need to get into that. But 100% you're like, I mean, okay, uh, I'm not mad about this, but it is a stretch. There's like two specific ones where I was like, "Mm." yeah, Um, but that's okay. So yeah, 100%. I'm I'm on the same page with you. I, I like I really like the screen movies. I remember you and I were talking about this briefly. I talked about this with Dorina. Um, so I'd seen one and four before five. And so, and I couldn't remember if I'd seen two or three. So my wife and I would just rewatch all of them. And it, the thing that struck me was like, wow, all these are like, for the most part, like good, like, like good to really good. I think three is not the best. Uh, three, three is not my favorite. If I had to like get rid of one, three would be probably the one that I'd get rid of. Which but one's three? Three is the one where they're like on the set of making Stab, which is the Scream movie within the Scream movie. Right. Yeah. And that is the, I, that is the moment where I felt like the meta-ness was too much. Like the snake was eating too much of its own tail. Um, and it just didn't work as much for me. That said, I also think what is interesting. And so it's interesting for me watching these movies. It's like, okay, so what? Six movies deep over... Wow, is that almost? It's at least over twenty years. Is that almost thirty years? It's a long time. There's been a lot of a lot of time over the. I actually screen. don't know when the first scream when came was out. The was first it? scream. I'll look right now. Oh yeah, let me know when the first scream was. But it's like it's definitely over twenty years, and it still. Scream was ninety six. Oh my god! So it's almost thirty years. Wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah, so ninety six is the year my sister was born. So that makes it. 
26 or 27 years old, depending on the month. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so what makes it work? And especially with stuff that you can, and, and I think part of it is if I, if I had to diagnose it, I would say, obviously the fact that the meta nature of it is baked into the movie itself is a plus. Um, is, yes, is, that's a huge, huge benefit that they have of this movie. And then I think it's an example, and I think more franchises could take a cue from what horror movies do well, which is having a formula and then tweaking that formula. For example, uh, speaking of my wife and I, rewatching stuff, we watched all the Purge movies. And something I really like about the Purge movies is you know when that fucking siren, the iconic uh, Purge siren goes, you're like, okay, you spend about 30 minutes setting up here all the characters that are going to be in the Purge. That siren goes, and you're like, Okay, the off to the races, all bets are off. And it's in a very effective, it creates like a Pavlovian response in the audience. Like you've trained them like, okay, here are the rules. And then by the time you get to like the fifth movie and you start fucking with the rules, it's very effective. So uh, screen movies, you know, every movie is going to open with a call from Ghostface. And, but then the way the, how, how each movie interprets that call and tries to um, tweak that call. I thought this movie, the previous movie and this movie did a very good job of like work tweaking that formula and, and evolving that formula. And I think people are afraid of formula, but I think if it's used well, and I think examples like scream and the purge movies do a good job utilizing their formula to both um, create expectations and then subvert those expectations in the audience. Um, and I think Marvel movies, uh, if superhero movies, different franchises could look at that of like having a, a stable foundation that you can build off of and then subvert is not necessarily a bad thing. Formulated formula is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, I think, I do think if I were nitpicking, I do think my problem with most screen movies is that the big villain reveal is always kind of stupid. Like the, the, like, here's why I decided to ghost face is always kind of a stretch, but the movie's so fun. We're talking to Sean of what do you need in a horror comedy? It needs to be fun. The movie's so fun. So like, who gives a shit? Like, and Would you call this a horror comedy straight up. Yes. Yes. I do think it, um, the, and I think it, especially within the parameters that Sean set of a horror comedy needs to be fun. I don't know that, that, uh, it is never necessarily scary, but it does a good job as a thrill ride of generating tension and then relieving that tension. Sometimes with the use of jokes or subversion or meta stuff, uh, I think it is very effective horror comedy. Do you feel differently? No, I think that that is right. It's just interesting. Like when there's horror comedy, like the, I, I laughed too many times in this movie for it not to be horror comedy, mm -hmm. especially with one of the characters who was like straight up in a nineties movie would yeah. come in and say like these lines. I thought it was hysterical, but um, it's like, if this is a horror comedy, what is scary movie? I, I think just the comedy, right? Cause it's just a parody at that point. Right. I don't know. I think it's not right to say that scary movie is not a horror comedy, you know, like, it's it is it is a comedy but i of the horror genre yeah i i would say i would say the distinction i would draw is that um 
there are whether you're necessarily scared there are thrills there is tension i don't know that a scary movie ever tries to create tension it's literally just a a joke machine which therefore makes it kind of just a comedy even though there's horror um elements like like uh like iconography or whatever the 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 intent is joke 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 whereas something like scream is like tension maybe scary but maybe tension uh actual stakes and then a joke maybe that might be right um I just have always thought of like those as horror comedies. I'm looking how this builds itself. So Scream builds itself as horror mystery thriller. Yeah. Um, and then Scream Six horror mystery thriller. Yeah, they don't like build themselves as a comedy, but to yeah. me, yeah, it's a it's a horror comedy. Yeah. Well, and especially that also allows that that kind of heightened nature allows for some of the things that because it's not spoilers, we're not going to mention that it's like okay, well that's that's a stretch. Like, like I think it's safe to say like, you know, when a character gets stabbed a billion times and then they're like, Hey, they're going to make it. You're like, okay, <laughs> sure. I guess not, not just, they're going to make it, but like they fine right now. They're, they're fine right now. It's like, all right. Um, uh, sure. I mean, listen, I like this character, so I'm glad you're telling me that, but it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, but, um, I do, I will say, mm, yeah, I can say this. I liked the reveal. I did clock it. Like immediately, like I was like, oh, I know who the scream is. I know who Ghostface is. Um, but it made me happy. It was one of those like, mm, yes, good. This was the right call. This was who it should have been. Um, and I do want to get in a question from the Discord, thinking in the future. Um, what would you want to, this is from Mike Joyce, what would you want to see in the next Scream movie? And Roxy, I've thought a lot about this, having just watched all of the Screams. And, and it's tricky because I feel like doing something like this might, it could very easily have handled incorrectly break screen. But I am very tempted, if, I, if somebody was like, DJ, here, do a scream. I'd be very tempted to like explain like, because every movie, part of the mystery is who is Ghostface, right? And every movie is a different Ghostface is. Normally it's, there's a great joke of like, Oh, the Scream 3, it was one guy. It was the only time it's been one ghost face. Good on him for doing that. Um, it's usually multiple people. But Ghostface is a character. Like, so when these people become Ghostface, like they become like Ghostface has his own, even though it's always different people, has his own methodology, has his own pattern. And I'd be tempted to at least like poke at that. Like, is there like is it almost like a it's basically like a meme come to life. Is it like a mind virus? Like, how is it? Uh, I don't know if you remember. There's that episode of Legion where they talk about a true story where all of these cheerleaders in one town suddenly started having a twitch for no discernible reason. Like, um, no, I don't remember that. There's a real. There's a word for it. It's. 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 This is no longer the appropriate term, but the term used to be mass hysteria, where basically for some unknown reason, and this has happened throughout history. The, the example they used, I think it was a Texas town, either in the early aughts or the nineties where one cheerleader generated a twitch that was unexplainable and then suddenly the other cheerleaders in the troop started getting the same twitch but there was no nothing physiological going on so it was almost like they it was like a mental it was uh-huh. like a mental virus that they were all catching i would be tempted to be like is ghostface that is it like a thing is is ghostface a thing you can catch because because of obviously i know living on our world it's because we you're watching a scream movie and we need Ghostface to kind of function like Ghostface, but within listen, Scream's already meta. I'd I'd be interested in exploring that. Why are there so many Ghostface Ghostfaces? Why do the people that 
portray themselves as Ghostface feel compelled to exhibit the same, not just we're murdering people, but the same behavioral patterns. I think there's something interesting there uh, I'd like to, I think would be interesting to explore. And I think there is a way to do it without um, having the franchise collapse in on itself. That's mm-hmm. what I would like to see in a future Scream movie. What about you, Roxy? Uh, do you feel like there are going to be several future Scream movies, like with this cast at least? Well, I will say this. So despite having relatively recently just watched them, yeah. they reference Matthew Lillard's character, Stu, Stumacher, Stumacher. And they have a little offhand joke of like, well, if you actually think he's dead. And I was like, wait, what? Time out? And I yeah, guess yeah, there's a yeah. whole fan theory because apparently he was supposed to come back and scream three and then they decided not to do that. So there's this whole fan theory that he didn't actually die. And I have to, maybe because I'm watching a scream movie, the fact that you all went out of your way to point that out and the fact that Matthew Lillard's still around and still working and is any fantastic actor, it's like, wait, are you going to bring, are you going to bring him back for a later scream movie? I think there's at least one more in the, cha- I think there's at least one more scream in the chamber is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. Um, I like your pitch. Yeah. What do you I think that's interesting? Yeah, um, I just and and I that's also I would be tempted like wait, if there's a fan theory that Matthew Lillard's still running around, let's bring him back. Let's do it. Why not? Fuck it. Um, I like him. I talked to him on Collider. He was great. Yeah, he's great. Like he's like I know a lot of people from that generation because of Scooby-Doo and Scream and all that have like an affection to him, but legitimately he's really good. Yeah. Uh, he was in like the most recent Twin Peaks. Like he's a really good actor and more of him please. But anyway, what would you like to is there anything scream wise? Like if they did a Scream 7 what do you want? I mean, I think whatever, whenever the um, final scream is, or not, not necessarily final scream, but whenever the they think it's going to be, or whatever. Uh, I don't know how you don't get Sydney back. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have to have her in it, and it made sense that she wasn't in this one. But I think Gail and Sydney for me are like what is surviving of Scream. So yeah. definitely that. Luckily, she was in the last one. Yeah. Um, but definitely a, a return, a comeback there. And then other than that, no, I think the Matthew Lillard thing is a great call. I feel like you should be on the writing uh, team for this script because I like the the mass hysteria or whatever it's called now. No. It makes sense to me. Um, can I, give me a call, everybody. I had, I, yep. I know what I do. Um, give me a call, everybody. Everybody, literally everybody. Give me everybody. Call me. Uh, now I was bummed. Obviously, enough. Campbell did not come back for this. Um, for reasons that are kind of a bummer. Uh, from because it was financial, right? It was financial. Uh, she wanted more. They weren't willing or able to do it, uh, which is a bummer. However, narratively. I really want Sydney to have a happy ending. I, I actually really, I didn't like the reason Neff Campbell wasn't in here, but I actually really like, uh, no, she's happy and she's not going to come to New York to deal with ghost faces. Like, no, she should, she's done enough. We've done enough yeah. to Sydney. Let Sydney ha- live her life. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, by the way, I, there's a few standout sequences, one in a bodega, one in a subway, uh, in a subway car. The subway uh, car um, scene was great. I don't know when I was thinking back on the movie, that when things are revealed, that it make what happens in the subway car make sense. But it is a good sequence. It is a good sequence, and also Gail gets a really good, and Gail gets another one where once you again once you've set up your formula, Gail gets a few great moments of like subverting it. Like, hey, what are things that we you can tell the people making the movie? Which by the way, they did direct the previous Scream, and they did that um, 
movie uh, Ready or Not, uh, which was pretty good. And the lead actress, whose name escapes me right now, she was actually the girl at the beginning. The Mayor Weaving. Yeah, she was the one. She was in Ready yeah. or Not. She was in the beginning of the Scream movie. So there's the connective yeah. tissue. Anyway, uh, Gail gets a great moment of subverting some Scream stuff. And I like it when... I think this is a good way to do franchise stuff of like, okay, what are what are some things in this franchise that are sacrosanct, but what are some things that we can subvert or add to? What haven't we done? We're six movies deep. What haven't we done? Uh, Ghostface with a shotgun. Haven't done that. Very scary. Um, anyway. Very scary. Uh, recommend. Recommend Scream 6. It's a blast. I had a blast. Sounds like Roxy. I wonder why it does only have a 78%. That doesn't check out for me. And obviously it's an aggregate, but it's... And, and again, I know they're different movies, but it's like if we're giving Creed three like a night, because I think there was ways Creed three could have maybe improved upon itself. It's like I feel they're comparable. I don't know why. Maybe it's the critics just don't like horror. I don't know. I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think that um, I'm looking up right now that the seventy eight is on the tomato meter, but 93 audience. Yeah, I, this is one of the few times. Yeah. I'm with you audience. I don't, and especially the summary where like certain aspects have grown stale. I'm like, actually, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job making it not stale. Like, stale, yeah, totally. That's my opinion. I think they're it doing could a, have been stale and it wasn't, and it wasn't so good for them. Um, so anyway, that scream, uh, big thanks to Sean for coming on and talking about crust um and uh and talking about horror comedies with us love the genre uh roxy before we go where can the kids uh if check out the stuff you're working on everywhere at roxy stryer uh you can find me at dj talks trash you can find the show everywhere that matters at only stupid answers but on twitter and get the vowels from stupid uh and we will see you all next time bye everybody <laughs>